Hi, welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I am happy to be here with you today. Today, I'll be speaking with Sarah Bradford. And Sarah, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be married to someone on the autism spectrum. Um, Sarah's husband's name is Dustin, and they met in Salt Lake City and started dating in late 2004. After five adventurous years of camping, rock hounding, traveling, and raising his child, they married and had two children of their own. Dustin was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 10, with autism not being widely diagnosed at at that time. But through the raising of their son, diagnosed at the age of 16 months, they became aware that Dustin also was on the autism spectrum. Today, 16 years later, they have a loving, strong, and happy marriage. Sarah is a children's book author, and she runs an autism advocacy support group. She's also a member of the Autism Council of Utah. Dustin is self-employed in construction and management. So Sarah, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So Sarah, we we had initially planned to have both Sarah and Dustin um, interviewing today, but this morning Sarah reached out and um, said Dustin's social anxiety had kind of taken over and he wanted to bow out. And actually Dustin's exact words to me before we started recording were social anxiety and full body sweats made doing this interview too uncomfortable. So (laughs) he was, he was so darling um, talking about it, but he bowed out and we have nothing but respect and support for him in that decision. Absolutely. We appreciate his honesty. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. So I share that with listeners because I want you to know that Sarah has has been given permission by Dustin and actually been helped with Dustin in answering some of these questions. So we're not just talking behind Dustin's back, right? (laughs) (laughs) So um, Sarah, my first... Uh, the first thing I'd like to talk about with you is I would love for you to share um, share your background with us, share your background as well as Dustin's background. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was born in Reno, Nevada. Of an, I'm an only child of two, a nurse and a Air Force general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, they... We spent a lot of time in Reno, and in about 1984, I moved here to Salt Lake City with my mom um, and kind of went back and forth from Salt Lake City to Reno throughout my uh, time going to school. And then as early on in my adulthood, I was very career-oriented, always kind of looking, seeking out careers. Um, i did preschool teaching for several years. Then I became a paralegal, which I did that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to become a massage therapist <laughs> and <laughs> a different uh, sides of the spectrum on that as well. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So and when I did that, I moved back here to Salt Lake City. And that is what about the same time that I met Dustin while I was going to massage college. So mm-hmm. uh, I pursued that and finished um, that and worked as a massage therapist for about another 10 years. Um, so until I uh, got pregnant and could no longer do massages. Yes. But, 
definitely a passion that I've always had and just caring for people. Um, you know, my parents raised me very, I was raised LDS and I was just very, you know, serve others, be kind to others, love one another, the good book, right? <laughs> um, and so I kind of think that I've lived my life a lot doing service for others and, and I just, I love to make connections with people. It's my, just my absolute favorite thing. Just from knowing you for this short period of time that we've known each other, I know this because you reached out because your husband heard an interview that I did on the Lisa show. And you said yeah. that, um, so you just reached out. And I think that's part of you enjoying making connections with people. Absolutely. And I'm glad you did because I think you're fantastic. Oh, and thank you, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So now, because Dustin's not here, well, actually, let's share a little bit about Dustin's background. I know he's giving you the green light. Yeah, yeah and I wrote some stuff down, definitely. You know, he is a, he was born in Utah. Um, he grew up in a blended family of six sisters and two brothers. So mm -hmm. nine kids um, in blended families. Uh, he had an older sister with Down syndrome which really I believe had a lot to do with his understanding, support, and just love of special needs. Um, mm -hmm. He was also diagnosed at the age of 10, like you mentioned, with ADHD um, and dyslexia as well. And he definitely struggled throughout his time as a child and into his teens. He was incarcerated for many of those years. For six years, he lived incarcerated. And that's so hard, so hard. And, you know, really attests to the fact that they just didn't understand what autism, what Asperger's looked like at that time mm -hmm. and how it could um, show itself in ways of not processing information, not understanding the, you know, society's rules and their strict box of socializations and things. And so I think that sent him into a lot of trouble. And I just uh, breaks my heart to even think that that was, but in the same breath, the amount of therapy that was forced on him to receive, <laughs> you know, it made a huge difference, a huge difference. He could be everyone's therapist that he's ever met now because he is incredible at listening at understanding at seeing through emotions and really seeing the root of things he's mm -hmm. not caught up by emotions that's something i really love about him oh i like that too and what yeah. i really like about what you just shared is that something good and beautiful came out of a really challenging experience that he 100%. had yeah, and I, I really want people to understand that, that, you know, I bet we could go back and people would have said, no way, this guy will never be successful, never have, you know, success in the way we see it with a family and things like that. But no, in fact, it was quite the opposite. He did, you know, have a child at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really made a big difference in, okay, time to grow up. There's no more you know, going to detention centers and such, like you have to be here for this child now. And so it really gave him that drive to mm -hmm. 
take things into his own hands at that point. Wow. 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 So thank you so much for sharing your stories and your backgrounds. So I am wondering, how did you actually learn that Dustin had autism? Yeah, it was so interesting. So our son um, is 10. He was diagnosed at 16 months, which is Mm -hmm. quite early. It is. was diagnosed with PDD-NOS, mm-hmm. which is very related to ADHD somehow. And oh. um, they, you know, they kind of go hand in hand in my research of of looking into kind of the relatability of them. And mm-hmm. um, obviously later on, he was diagnosed with autism level two, a global developmental delays, and a feeding disorder, and ADHD as well, our son. So, um, but in that process of finding out, it was about 2016, Mm -hmm. and we were going to be doing a neuropsych evaluation for our son. Um, He does have extremely high IQ levels, and uh, basically splinter skills, 2E, as you understand he is you know twice exceptional on on the spectrum and so Mm -hmm. uh, we were having him evaluated and while I was doing my very fifth ADOS test you know (laughs) (laughs) I started to see the pieces that fit together for Dustin and um, I, I should mention that in going through some like old boxes and stuff we found his old psych evals. And so I was able to read through those from the 80s. And of course, me knowing what I know now and thinking, come on, people, what did you, how did you miss this? This is like, to me, you know, toe walking, chewing non-food objects, obsessive interests, um, eating habits for himself and others that are very, you know, hard for him to, to handle. I'm just, it was very clear to me not to mention the ADHD and dyslexia. So mm-hmm. at that point, I checking all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat him down and said, I'm pretty sure that you are on the spectrum. And I'm, you know, 100%, I would say that you have Asperger's. Yeah. And he was so open and really, I think, took it very much to heart and thought about it and really agreed with how that made so much sense Mm -hmm. for his life in all of the things like, you know, he's extremely um, bright and very strategic, very, he can see patterns, pattern recognition, like nobody Mm -hmm. else I've ever met. Um, He is an artist and he, tends to pick things up like he started to do spray paint art and you know he watched like two videos and the next thing I know we have 200 spray paint art art paintings that are just (laughs) brilliant amazing you know just people thinking how did this guy do this and I'm like yeah he was out there for 25 minutes and sprayed this entire you know nature scene uh, it's just oh, incredible it's that makes my heart so happy I yeah. oh, I love that it's beautiful just absolutely beautiful and so kind of looking at all of those things I realized that 
that that's what it was. And, and he agreed. And I think that, you know, going back to the social anxiety, one thing we've always kind of, I'm an only child, so like big family parties aren't something that I ever was any part of. <laughs> and so <laughs> learning that I was going to be part of this big giant family, I was like, woohoo, family parties all the time. <laughs> However, <laughs> he, on the other hand, are, is absolutely not into crowds of people, family, anything. And so it was definitely something I learned how to forfeit. <laughs> And uh, now, you know, having our son, uh, I, it became even more evident that those were things that we were not going to be able to attend. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some definitely concessions I'd say that have been made. Yeah. Tell me more. What are some other concessions that you've made or just, we can call them concessions or you can, we can also say, what are some other adjustments that you guys have made? Absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, I'm going to, without being disrespectful to him or to, you know, anybody on the spectrum, but, you know, not going out to restaurants or to movies or to public places, those things don't happen often or if ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely, like, I grew up with a, you know, father who, flew all around the world, wanted to go to all these different restaurants and be very, it was all, we were always out everywhere. It was very, you know, out on the town kind of a life with my dad. And so to have the absolute opposite of that with my husband, it was hard at first. It was hard for me to, um, to get over those expectations, I I guess you could call it, but I now realize how unimportant they are really to, to the whole scheme of things. But, you know, at the beginning, it was something that was an adjustment for me to make. Um, Mm. Yeah. To do those kinds of things. So does Dustin ever gear up to do a social event with you? Does he, does he ever, like, as far as marriage goes, there's a lot of give and take in neurotypical marriages. Yeah. Um, when both spouses are neurotypical, um, is he is he able to gear up for social events? You know, I think that they really cause him so much anxiety. And mm-hmm. I can't really, there are, there have been a couple of times where he's in an environment that he's comfortable with and he's mm-hmm. sure that the people he's with are you know, not non-judgmental and just very um, comfortable around him. Uh And so those things, like we've taken some really great trips and visited some friends on in California and it was a great trip. There was not any kind of pressure to be on, you know, or, and he, and it was great. But when it comes to family things, you know, and um, when my family is going to be visiting from out of town, those kinds of things really, really create anxiety for him. Um, mm-hmm. Even when his own family call and say, hey, we want to come visit, like same kind of thing, like full body sweats, just, you know, heightened breathing, heightened anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And we basically 
just have to like be upfront and be honest with everybody about it and say, this isn't something we're comfortable with. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. But kudos to you that you've been able to learn how to communicate that because I would say that communication is one of the main pieces to how your marriage is so successful. Absolutely. And early on, early on, it was our communication because when we first met, we were friends. We didn't meet and weren't like attracted to each other instantly, had nothing like that. We were just friends. He was dating a friend of mine, in fact. Uh, And (laughs) um, he and I just became so close and shared stories, in fact, became such good friends that we told each other things that we would probably not tell somebody we thought we would be marrying someday. <laughs> Don't share secrets. You only share with that one juicy friend. And we were those friends with one another, um, which ultimately, you know, turned out to be the best thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. But early on, we really learned about communication and uh, as hard as it is for me to say we really learned about lying and about how that could be the absolute breakdown of any conversation of any relationship really and we kind of had to make a vow to one another that we wouldn't allow even the smallest white lie nothing nothing with the word you know the letters l-i-e enter our relationship space in any way. And we're just de- like, you know, definitely honest with one another about everything. And mm-hmm. it's changed our relationship. We, there's total trust, you know, which is so hard in really any relationships, especially for both of us. Um, we had both previously been married and had, you know, bad divorces and uh he had a child in his I did not so I you know wasn't having to kind of carry on with that person anymore um Mm -hmm. but we you learn a lot in going through those things you learn a lot about what you don't want in your next partner (laughs) that's very true and you learn a lot about yourself too what you want what you're what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're and where your boundaries lie a hundred percent and I think that that was a boundary for both of us in our previous relationships that had been crossed so much was the dishonesty Mm -hmm. and we really just vowed to one another that, hey, we're really good friends. And now we're starting to kind of like one another, like what? (laughs) (laughs) We, the funniest thing, we flipped a quarter um, on (laughs) September 13th of 2004, flipped a quarter, heads we date, tails we don't. If you had flipped and it had been tells, would you have actually followed through? <laughs> I think so. I really think we were that committed to it. I think we were really like believed that, okay, we're going to, you know, this is our, our truth right here. This is going to be our truth. And we live the right quarter here. has spoken. The quarter has spoken. <laughs> the universe has placed its mighty, you know, answer for us. So, yeah. Started dating. Yeah. And, you know, it was the first couple years 
who doesn't have relationship cakes in the first, you know, few years of their relationship. So learning all of the communication, learning how to blend, um, to raise his daughter and to, you know, work with his ex-wife and, and Mm -hmm. kind of as the, you know, story goes, like he and her had not a good communication relationship. And so I actually took the forefront and was the voice for him and was able to build a relationship with his ex-wife, obviously Mm -hmm. having to raise a child, like you, you, you have to co-parent, you just have to learn how to, to get along. And, um, I was just able to really support both of them and, and, get through it. So, and now she's 20. So uh, we, we don't have to do that much anymore. Uh, that part yeah. of it is, is gone. And I'm really glad to tell you the truth. I, nobody really desires to have, you know, have to talk to the ex-wife all the time. So yeah, it's not to sure. use, you know, in anything of just, you know, she's our past and, and that's, that's yes. 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 Right. His oldest, his daughter is a part of your life currently and yeah, his marriage is a part of his past. Yes. So I get yes, that. Definitely. So I have another question for you. You were talking about how it was your son's diagnosis and then reading your husband's um, analysis from growing up that ultimately led you to um, learning that he was on the autism spectrum. So my question is how, or did that bring more understanding into your relationship? Yes, I would say a hundred percent. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this as my personal opinion, but I'm sure that there were so, there's so many other parents that could understand where I'm coming from not knowing about autism before you have that first diagnosis, not understanding that it can be genetic or not understanding where or how it happened. That's something that we, it's a a real focus, a real fear in that beginning process of getting those diagnoses. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in really learning how to let that go and learning how to focus on, Hey, this is, we just need to focus on how we're going to move forward each day, not how this happened. And that was a big, big line crosser for me. But when I found out, when I realized that he was also, that Dustin was also on the spectrum, it literally melted my heart because here are the two most important people to me. And now Mm -hmm. I understand them so much more clearly and I can give them the support that they deserve and, mm-hmm. you know, see them for who they really are and not this, you know, troubled teen idea kind of thing like that. And so it really put things wow. in perspective for me. Like it took away that fear of how it may have happened. And now I just mm-hmm. embrace every second of it. Yes. Oh, you got me all teary. <laughs> We're both wiping our faces as we speak. <laughs> I just think that's beautiful. And what I really appreciate about both of you is that as you were, before you even knew about the diagnosis, you had first of all committed to being completely upfront and honest. And if you know people on the spectrum, that is a trait, (laughs) is straightforward honesty. Um, 
and just being able to express those feelings sometimes extremely direct <laughs> in an extremely yeah. direct way and so i would imagine that for you understanding that he was on the autism spectrum made you reassess hey you know what sometimes those blunt responses that's that's not meant to be hurtful to me that's how he communicates because that's a piece of who he is yes definitely definitely just and you said it the bloodness there is you know that's the one thing i love about him i wish that i had in myself is that courage to say whatever it is no matter who the audience is or whatever mm -hmm. you know i hold back in those moments where i don't want to be in a confrontation or things like that. He doesn't hold back. He's he's <laughs> like, hey, you know, uh, this is wrong, and I am seeing it, and this is why, and that's the way it is. <laughs> so I, yeah. it's something I really, uh, yeah, really uh, look up to him when you know he has that and. Kind of the same thing in our son in that he has that no judgment, no danger zone. And I always mm. think to myself, what would it be like to not have judgment, not only for others, but never have judgment of yourself to never like have mm. that. Oh, I'm wrong or, oh, I have this because the society tells me so like it, he, they're always just so strong in themselves they're just so brave and you know uh, <laughs> what you're saying is making me think of my own children and my heart is just feeling all the feels because yeah. i i have so much love for them and who they are and also what I can feel from you, from what you're saying, is you appreciate how he has changed you. I, oh, 100%. I don't think I would be able to communicate so clearly. And yes, I always loved being a writer and writing has always come easy. And But being able to choose your words and being able to live by them are completely different. When you live by your words and you have done it for decades, it mm -hmm. is such, I mean, it's like independence. It's like I am so much more independent than I used to be when I wouldn't you know, my words were kind of flimsy and I didn't, they didn't mean as much as they do now. And, and now, you know, yeah. it's all about when you say something literally, expect the people in your life to literally understand what you're saying. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's a very literal, that's right. The conversation is literal. Yes. You say what you mean and you can't, there's no, there's no passive aggressiveness because that doesn't make any sense. Yes. It, it doesn't get you anywhere. It's very confusing in a relationship with someone on the autism spectrum. And so that falls, that falls away. Yeah. And everything is just complete honesty. And, and sometimes, sometimes that stings a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, really though. <laughs> But, it, you know, it's never meant, the intent of it is never, ever meant to be hurtful. I mean, he would, you know, wear a thousand people's skin before he would let anyone hurt my feelings or, you know, do anything. Oh. He is just like, 
my protector and the comfort and the strength that he provides me just knowing that I have someone to have my back like that is, is wonderful. Mm. Like I could really go up against a lot more than I think I used to be able to. That is beautiful. So I think what I'm, what I really appreciate about your life experiences with autism is that when we have a child who's diagnosed on the autism spectrum, I think, and then you also have a spouse who's diagnosed on the autism spectrum, I think it brings almost circular understanding from understanding your child and watching them uh, struggle and also watching them thrive in, in both arenas and just saying, you know, this is, this is my spouse's life experience too. And they may be an adult, but it's just, it's not like those things necessarily go away. They just are an adult now working through those same um, feelings of struggling and thriving. Yeah. And, you know, I did get some really good at, you know, something he had said that at one point when he was incarcerated, that um, one of the counselors said to him, never listen to your first five thoughts. Always list, always think about those, but never react because you need to be strategic in your words and your delivery of things. And you, you, and so I think that was really his, okay, I'm going to stop acting on all of my impulses and my, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know him then obviously, but he wouldn't have been in detention centers if he didn't have a little bit of a spicy behavior. So (laughs) (laughs) I think he carries that with him into everything. He, when he goes into a conversation with people, confrontation, whatever it may be, he has his questions their answers, his questions, their answers, his questions. He has a plan. And if anything Mm -hmm. deviates from that original plan, he has a backup plan and another backup plan and another backup plan. And that's the way he has trained himself to be, to be able to communicate with people, you know, like construction, things like that, just be able to, um, which is a great job for him, by the way, because he is so, literal and so you know plans everything well and he does some amazing work (laughs) i bet he does i would bet he does so sarah i have one last question for you and that is if you had anything to share with other women or men who are married to someone who's on the autism spectrum what would you share um that's so interesting. I never obviously knew. I mean, I've been with him for almost two decades and it wasn't until the last four years that I had any idea about the spectrum for him. But I would definitely say that um, being able, goes back to it, tell the truth, be upfront with your partner, you know, be willing to accommodate them in their needs when he 
you know, is, is breathing hard and he's starting to get uncomfortable with things, then I'm okay with both pushing him sometimes into those uncomfortable spaces so that he can grow, but also giving him the chance to take the step back if he needs to. And I think that that is just kind of a flexibility you have to have. Um, because I think always giving in isn't great probably. And so there's those boundaries where you have to say, we have to do this. Like, I know mm-hmm. you don't want to go to the DMV to get your, your, your picture taken, but you have to like, let's just get it over with and do it. And he did it and he got yeah. it over with and it was, it was, you know, it's done. But in those yeah. things, there are, you know, like with this morning, I'm not going to force him to sit down in a chair and, you know, answer questions. Yep. And those are things yep. that we can, we can let go and we can be flexible about. So I think that mm-hmm. having flexibility having consideration. Um, you know, I love to, you know, get his coffee for him, get his clothes for him. I like to be, kind of be the mom of the whole house and take Aww. care of everybody. Um, and so I think it, he really appreciates that and, and in turn gives me all of kind of the space or, um, you know, the, the comforting, the support whenever I need it. It's, it's always there for me. So, yeah, I, I mean, I hope that I answered that question along those lines. You did. You answered it beautifully. Yeah. I. It's just making me think that you may have found your new calling in life. You. You should. You should uh, counsel couples who have who have a spouse on the autism spectrum and because I just feel like you approach it with such love and dignity and respect and that we could all learn from you and I'm thinking about my own children on the autism spectrum and I'm thinking I hope they find someone like you oh, one day. Thank you. So and I hope it, my, you know, daughter finds someone like her dad as well. And uh, oh. just someone who's, you know, that I've never seen, you know, my dad was in the military. He was always on, he was always on military time. It was always in mm-hmm. a hurry and get things done. And there wasn't a lot of wiggle room in my life. You know, now I see a dad who paints his daughter's nails and sets up, you know, dinosaur villages for them to play. And just all these incredible things that he um, creates relationships with his kids and in a way that he never had. And in a way that, you know, I'll never forget for our children. And I'm sure they will never This has just been so rewarding for me. And I know that those that are listening, um, well, they may be wiping their eyes too, like (laughs) you and I have continued to do through this interview. So I appreciate you opening your heart and I appreciate Dustin for allowing you to share about him. And I appreciate that he felt like he could be honest and just say, I'm not up for this today. Yeah, And I, 
I just appreciate all of it. And so for those of you that are that are listening, if you feel like you need any extra help or services in the autism world, raising your children, or just a listening ear, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. It's navigating.the.spectrum. You can also go to my website at michelleportlock.com. Just remember that Michelle's with one L. You can schedule a free 30-minute consult with me. And quite honestly, some of those consults go longer. I just I just love you for even showing up. So um, thank you for listening. And we'll hear from me next week. <laughs>